Hey guys, it's Bill. I uh, just wanted to record a quick preface for this week's episode. Daniel's computer's slowly dying, and so we lost one or two little bits of his uh, half of the conversation. Uh, nothing too huge or anything like that, but if you happen to notice a couple weird audio skips from Daniel's perspective, or <laughs> a couple of... <laughs> he kind of drops out here or there towards the end of the episode. I uh, just want to let you know that it's us, not you. Uh, hopefully we'll get that fixed sooner than later. Uh, but yeah, it's still a good episode. I hope you stick around and listen. Uh, even if you've never read or watched the Phantom Toolbooth before. Even though we kind of dog on it, Daniel loves it, I'm ambivalent about it. Uh, it's still a good episode, and it gets funny. We laugh, we have a good time. It's Chuck Jones, so it can't be all that terrible. So, uh, as always, thank you guys for listening, and yeah, uh, I'll start the show. Hey, it's starting to the party. He's Bill. I'm Daniel. We fill pop culture holes with various pieces of media. We missed the first time around. It's a freebie week. I didn't miss this the first time around. Bill missed this the first time around. He didn't even know it existed. It's the Phantom Tollbooth from 1970. Well, you didn't even explain it to me last week. You were just like, hey, we're going to do the Phantom Tollbooth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, did you grow up with this, like, watching it a whole bunch, or did you just see this once as a kid and just... I haven't seen it since then. Uh, I what's, actually what's grew up situation? on the book. My dad really, really oh. liked the book. The book is... How do you describe the book? The book is... Um, it sounds like I'm making a dig, but... <laughs> it's the kind of book that, like... God forbid. Kids that are smart would enjoy reading. <gasps> yeah! Because there's a lot of... And my dad really likes wordplay. Or liked wordplay. Oh, so a, yeah, this is totally... There's a lot of wordplay and... And... and taking things literally in the book like eating your words and stuff like that yeah so he really enjoyed the book and read it to me a couple times when i was growing up okay and so you so you I've, had you okay so you had read the book before seeing this thing then. yeah and uh i don't remember how many times i watched this but i know it was enough <laughs> okay to remember most of how? it and whatnot how did you see this? Was it just on cable? Did your dad have a tape of this? We might what? have rented it from a video store or something. I don't That's remember. Because I've never seen... Like, I, I, you had... You, last week you said, we're going to do the Phantom Tollbooth. And I only knew it was a book because my friend... Like I said last week, my friend Dylan had given me a copy of the book, but I'd never gotten around to reading it. And so I had no idea. I knew they had turned it into a movie, and I had no idea if it was... I knew Chuck Jones was involved because you just said that last week. Um, and I had only known Chuck Jones in terms of making a movie. Uh, he did an adaptation of, I think it's Rudyard Kipling's Ricky Ticky Tabby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was the only, like, kind of movie he'd done. I didn't realize he'd done The Phantom Tollbooth. Uh, and so, <coughs> when firing up this movie, I literally had no idea what to expect. I didn't know if it was going to be fully, uh, animated from beginning to end. I don't know if it was going to be mostly live action with, like, just one little animated segment in the middle. Or if it was going to be... Mostly animation with live-action bookends, which that's what it turns out to be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was actually kind of... It's... it's Man, this may be, like, the one time I fired up Atari the Party Project where I literally had no idea what I was getting into before I hit the play button. And hmm. so, so yeah, what do you think about the movie compared to the book? Um, They're similar in a lot of ways. The book has a lot more characters in it, which okay. I guess was kind of a... 
a bummer that the Arthur thought that they took out some of his favorite characters and whatnot, and some of the characters yeah. they left in, I feel like they could have taken out. Know, but you know. so it's still the same basic story though, but just like with the, like with some of the characters taken out, though it's not like there's any major changes to the. No, to it's the... it's pretty much the same journey, just uh, less less uh, wordplay between characters and whatnot. There's a lot more dialogue in the book. Oh, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, looking up, there's not a lot of making uh, making up stuff about this movie online. Uh, the Wikipedia uh, page just talks about how uh, the original author, for whatever reason, was really disappointed in the movie. But they also point out that it's actually a relatively faithful adaptation of the book and that the b big change is that there's just less characters. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't go into details about whatever changes there are. Well, and it doesn't go into any ex explanations as to why the author was so disappointed in this adaptation. Maybe so because he was like, were. oh, this is so 1960s. <laughs> talking about just because it's got like flute and horn music <laughs> it's got the song just talking about milo it's and got what milo's doing ugly ass backgrounds <laughs> oh you mean even with the animation too yeah. yeah well this is chuck jones in the 60s i mean this is like 20 years past his prime so yeah, it's kind of the sad thing when chuck jones started making movies his animation actually kind of looked worse than it did when he was making, you know, like, at the height of his powers during World War II. Something, for, uh, something in the animation business in the 60s was was very wrong with everyone. There was, well, what, I, I think one of the things that, one, one of the things that happened in the animation industry in between the golden age of cartoons, which is what I think of it, with this kind of the height of the, the Looney Tunes stuff, well, and also in the 1940s, you had Disney doing great stuff, too. But in the 1950s, you had the UPA art style come in, mm -hmm. which the UPA art style was kind of the flat, abstract, think of like, a little bit like the Pink Panther cartoons. Yeah. Where, like, where it's like, like where like everything's kind of flat and cut out, and it was an excuse to make animation cheaper all of a sudden. Instead of having fluid animation or like well-rendered backgrounds, which is funny because half the backgrounds in, in the old Looney Tunes cartoons were abstract and fucked up as hell. Yeah. Which is actually, it's funny, Maurice Noble, the guy who did all the backgrounds for Looney Tunes cartoons was the production designer for this movie but the 1950s did kind of ding cartoon animation towards skewed it towards looking cheaper because yeah that whole 50s yeah it's it's a whole thing but um, and I don't know how much that may have impacted this specific film because like Chuck Jones like I said he was working with some of his old people that worked with him on the Looney Tunes stuff but I, I guess just cultural trends and industry trends just kind of made animation look uglier and like and like they, the they started using fine. all the same sound effects in the 1950s that's 60s. the thing and like you know what and also carl stalling he did the music for the old looney tune stuff he was they eventually on the later looney tune stuff they replaced him with a different guy who his music was always kind of crappier sounding and yeah they got new music guy or sound guys and yeah it's it's it, Starting in like the late '50s up until like 1980, it felt like every cartoon was drawn from the whether it was Warner Brothers or Hanna Barbera. It's always felt like they were drawn from the exact same yeah sound effect pool. Um, yeah, it's just this gross cheapening of cartoons, like in the in like in the latter half of the 20th century, until so everything got so much better with Filmation and He-Man, and that's when you got feature quality animation coming back there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, God. But, yeah. So, this is... I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah? What'd you, what'd you think, Bill? Going into this uh, completely I'm blind. I'm trying to be nice. No, no. You don't have to be. This may be 
one of the things I've hated the most <laughs> that we've ever... You know, actually, hatreds. Hey, hatreds a bit much. But me just, like, I was so fundamentally checked out for no, no particular reason. I mean, I, I did like, like the, the, the live-action bookends. I do like... I was like, oh, hey, it's Book pa- Butch Patrick. It's mm-hmm. Eddie Munster. He's the main character in this kid. But the moment this, the songs kick in at Oof, the start... those songs. Where the song is just... It, it's literally just a bunch of people, like, saying, Here's Milo. He's the main character of this movie. Mm-hmm. Is he gonna make it to the end? What lessons is he gonna learn? And it's just... <laughs> oh, my God. I realized it was that kind of production where there's not gonna be any kind of, like wit or charm it's just gonna tell you what's happening mm-hmm. and i was like oh man that's not good hopefully i mean it was like the songs aren't good no the, the music's aren't good. 60s as fuck oh it's so 60s. and which again there's nothing inherently wrong with that stuff but you start seeing how all these disparate pieces start coagulating into something that's gonna be not good and it never really does not not do that it, it, it does yeah kind of um and i mean at least it got chuck jones's Animation, the animation, pretty good, but that, uh, but also because it's Latter Day Chuck Jones, everyone's got those eyelashes. Yeah, <laughs> Chuck Jones is a very specific character. Like he really kind of like, like he had his own very, his own ticks that he really gravitated towards. Uh, he also really days. references some of his old animation in the, this animation. Yeah. Like he's not like using all new stuff. Like there's certain points where you're like, I, I saw that in Looney Tunes cartoon. Well, even talk the dog, TikTok, uh something about his face is like there's the there's the sheep dog from the old Looney Tunes cartoon, so the sheep dog that would guard uh the, the flock from the, the Looney to- from uh, uh Wiley Coyote. Yeah. Although I don't think he was I don't think technically it was Wiley Coyote, I think it was like Willard the Wolf or something like that. But like something about the construction of the face of the like his like his the dog's got like these lips that hang out and these teeth and everything like that. I was like, that's totally just from that like yeah. Um, yeah. Uh but yeah, it's not bad. It's just the, my major problem with this movie it actually has nothing to do with Chuck Jones. Oh, I'm assuming that this is endemic to the original source material. I've mentioned this on the podcast b- before, but when I was a kid, there was a whole genre of storytelling that I didn't like, and mm. it wasn't until I got older and I was reading an interview with Walt Disney when he was being asked, I think it was later days, shortly before he died, someone was asking Walt Disney about uh, what failures he had uh, what, what what he thought he, uh, were the films and animated projects that he thought he, uh, didn't live up to the potential. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out that he thought the biggest kind of fuck-up that the Disney Animation Studios are made in terms of the feature film was Alice in Wonderland. Uh, not that the film, its final film itself, was, like, super terrible or anything like that, but uh, the iron, irony of choosing Alice in Wonderland for a feature film was that it's filled with all this crazy imagery that would be almost impossible to do in live action, mm-hmm. but is custom-tailored to be perfect for animation. Uh, but the only problem is that Alice in Wonderland is nothing but those like little vignettes that would be good, so good for animation. There's barely any story. The story of Alice in Wonderland is essentially this, just the story of a girl being locked inside an insane asylum for two hours. Mm. There's no... Uh, there's no uh, story structure, there's no character growth, there's no characters learning anything, there's no real point to the story. It is just an excuse for a bunch of crazy shit to happen for 90 minutes, and that's it. And he always felt that they never really broke that story and turned it into a story that you could actually care about with, like, you know, stakes and 
uh, and characters who were, like, doing interesting things. It, it is just an excuse for crazy imagery. And I'm assuming that's why Chuck Jones decided to ma make the Phantom Tollbooth into a movie, because I guess it is the movie. The book is just a whole, like, just nothing but crazy living idioms that you could make for really yeah, interesting what, visual but stuff. Done, but yeah, there's done better than this. But that's kind of the weird thing, is that, like, this is not a particularly, like, crazy-looking movie, though. No, it's, it's, it's just 60s. They made it look it's like just... the 60s animation. Yeah, and they it's... They didn't take advantage if... of anything. Yeah, I could see if, like, Chuck Jones is like, oh, man, I could turn this into the my personal Fantasia. Of just, like, I, I get to do all the crazy animated shit I've always wanted to do. But no, it's it looks like kind of cheap TV animation. Yeah. So that's kind of the weird thing. And so when you've got, like, the super... There's barely any story. Really, it's just the kid makes a wish to go see the castle in the, the air. Yeah. And then it really is just 90 minutes of just completely random shit happening until the, until the movie ends. Combined with, like, it's Chuck Jones animation, so the character animation is good, but it's the visuals, like, the design of everything isn't that that interesting, that, no. and not to justify the bland story, so the com combination of the uh, visuals and the uh, story, like, I was check checked out. I shouldn't say I hated this. It's not like a Victor Victoria thing where I was, like, actively, like, gritting my teeth, like, oh my god, this is such a waste of potential. <laughs> I was just bored. That's You that's, are ambivalent that, toward it? Ambivalent, yeah, and I was just like, and especially as the idioms and all the wordplay kept on piling up, and it, everything in the story became more and more predictable. Like I was like, okay, I see, I get it. This guy's just gonna be a pun on this, and this is just gonna be a pun on that. Like it, once the novelty of the situation wore off, and like everything became super predictable about like what the idioms and everything were gonna be, like that's when I started getting even more like actually getting impatient with the story. But thankfully, the movie's not that long. No. But it's just. Well, they they they, they don't spend time <laughs> with these characters they decided to put in the movie either. They're like, here's a guy. His thing is yeah. noise. I know we're done with that. It's very episodic. Yeah. Then we move on. <laughs> Oh, God. So did you want to do blow-by-blow, blow or you just had general notes? Uh, yeah, a little bit of blow-by-blow, blow, just because oh, okay. I took the notes. Um, I mean, you have Butch Patrick, which I... What do you think about him as being the kid? He's, and, he's and actually he... pretty good as the kid, I thought. Okay. Um, I thought I heard you say he's sexually pretty good as the kid. No, he's, a, he's actually pretty good as the kid. But no, he's, he's fine as the, uh, you know, the live-action version. I think he's the casting, voice is, actor. casting in this is fine. I just think that... The, probably the direction or something something failed this movie i'm not sure what yeah there's just I, there's I, something I, that it's just not coming together the way it should because um, i can see how the book could be interesting oh no the book's good i like the book yeah. i actually listened to the audiobook version of this Ooh. uh in preparations which is uh, it's interesting enough but it's very smart <laughs> it's it's well you know, i wouldn't call it funny but it's it's good it's much like a podcast you enjoy it's good to listen to while you do other things yeah, it's a, yeah. Okay. It's that kind I, of book. It, it kind of like uh, occupies the higher functions of your brain while you're like cleaning up or something like that. Yeah. Um, um, is it the same gags, like the same verbal jokes and stuff like that in the book as it is a in the movie? A little bit, but they don't feel as because it's it. It's just done better. <laughs> and that's one of the other things. That's once once all the like the wordplay and everything in this movie became more and more predictable. Also, the movie, all the wordplay and everything kind of started becoming more sanctimonious. Mm -hmm. Like, more, like, morally, like... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's one part towards the end of the movie 
where uh, fucking Milo shoots the word industry at someone <laughs> yeah. and they explode into the words. What are the words like? Self-employment, gainful employment. Like it's super capitalistic. Like, I mean, I can see morally. The whole movie's got a bet towards like, you know, sloth, slothfulness and ignorance are bad. Imagination is good. But when it starts getting to specific things like yay industry and how <laughs> good capitalism is, I was like, a little bit like that. That's kind of weird. Um, I mean, granted, this is a movie made in the 1960s, but God knows when the book was written. But uh, that, that was, I think I it, that was kind of weird. It's a, it, it celebrated its 50th a little while ago, but I can't remember how. Oh, how okay. It so it was within. So the book was written within like 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 1950s or 60s too. Yeah, or a little bit before. I'm not sure, but um. <laughs> I just it's, it's moments like this. I just realized what a weird project this whole podcast is. Yeah. And that's that's what I like about this podcast, though, where it was, like, we talk about our share of, like, big popular pop culture stuff, but the fact that we're going, like, you you went out of your way to get me to watch The Phantom Tollbooth, as much as I was kind of ambivalent about the movie, I'm glad to have seen it, and, I, and I, I'm glad to be having this conversation. Well, it's that, also, um, yeah. like, I, I, I grew up on the book and this for the most part, and um, I'm not going to argue with it, you that it's good, because re-watching it now, I was like, eh? It's, I guess growing got, up with this would be a different it's got thing, though, yeah. Some comfort food to me, but Yeah. Yeah, it, it, well, it's got a very it, specific it it vibe to it. If it if and if it was anybody else besides Chuck Jones, it would I'd probably be a, just a fucking unmitigated disaster. Because it was anyway. <laughs> I wanna see John Crick Felucci's take on this. The same story, the same script. It's just everything's just titties and gross and eating cat litter, but like still like the sanctimonious wordplay. Um but yeah, no, I could totally see this being really comfort food, and it, well, it's kind of funny because even the beginning of the live action start uh, stuff, I was like, "What is this cheer up, Charlie?" <laughs> fucking live, because it feels like the American Willy Wonka a little bit with this kid like running through the streets. Of, What's to like, become kind of... with my love? Butch Cassidy music, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the easy listening shit. Oh god, <laughs> it's, it's... but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's I. If, if, but, like, if hey, this, I have a question, I... and you may—I can't find it on the, the person. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. It, no, 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 don't. No, I'm just laughing at your song. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> it is. Um. Oh God. But uh, at the beginning, Milo's bored because you know most kids aren't bored in school. Uh, yeah. And you hear voiceovers like at various teachers, "Rocks far plus five and all this shit, and yeah. I could. Was one of them Edna Kerbopple? Because it sounded a shit lot like, like the a actress, but... I'm sure the actress, because she would have been like 20 years old at this time. Would this have been, been when she was on Bob Newhart, or was that later? Oh god, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Let's see. Uh, Edna She's not on the cast list. Like... Uh, yeah, I looked I did... it up, but it I did notice... one of the voices sounded a shit ton like her. The cast list isn't that long. I mean, half the characters in this movie are played by uh mel blank i, um, I feel like marshall this was wallace chuck jones just said hey flans you want to make some and they were like it really is, sure yeah. okay and he was well, like there's yeah other, uh, <laughs> yeah there's other cartoon voices too but yeah according to at least actually i'm gonna look up imdb just to make sure but according to wikipedia no, she was not the cast list doesn't have oh, she's born in 1942 so she would have well she would have been 30 when this was made yeah. so she could have been part of this but um i'm just gonna double check but 
Yeah, no, yeah, she was not part of the Phantom Tollbooth. I mean, she might have been uncredited. It's just, it's just a, uh, exactly. literally you know, a voice. Well, fucking Harry Shearer's in Star Wars. Yeah. He voices a random, like, Death Star officer talks to Darth Vader for two seconds when they're scanning the Millennium Falcon for uh, uh, smugglers, and he's like, Duh, we don't think it'll be... It sounds like Mr. Uh, Smithers is talking to Darth Vader for a second, and you're like, mm. wait, what? If, if you know it's Harry Shearer, you can't unhear it. But, yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, then, so yeah, Milo, he's just kicking around his, in his bedroom that looks like it's not, it's, I didn't realize that was supposed to be his bedroom, but it's like some San Francisco living room. Mm-hmm. That's one of the weirdest parts of the movie. Cause he's like, I'm in my bedroom, but there's like a coffee table. And like, I was like, what bedroom is there? There's not even a bed in that room. No. And uh, he gets a phone call from his friend, Ralph, and they're just, they're talking about how fucking boring everything is. No, this is a conversation no child has ever had. Well, you know, when I'm in school, I just feel like being out of it. And when I'm not in school, I feel like doing yeah. anything else. The funny else. thing is, Her. the stuff that Milo is doing while he's on the phone is actually, I think is actually some really nicely directed. He's just doing dumb kid stuff. Like he's holding up the phone wire to his eye as like a kind of a monocle. And he's, tra- he's wearing the pillow as a hat. He's just doing all this dumb stuff. But the conversation itself is just so like, I'm bored school is dumb yeah um it's one of those things where i wonder why he just didn't have like a little brother or something inside the apartment with him that he could be talking to or a pet or something like that it's weird that like he just calls up his friend just to complain about how bored he is yeah in the most like artificial way here here's a sound and it turns out um there's a phantom toll booth in there it's a bit well actually it's a big box which is yeah. good because the only well, it looks th- like it's a big yeah red and white candy stripe looking like TARDIS almost yeah. yeah, and it's good because Milo hates everything because the only thrill he feels anymore <laughs> is watching the light leave a man's eyes as he strangles the life out of him. Yeah, because cutting himself that, that all the, all the charm in that went away years ago. So now now he's just putting pets in refrigerators for that little orgasmic touch. That oh, so yeah. he goes in there and there's big tag on it that says for Milo, and this fool says I don't think it's my birthday. Well, you think you motherfucker you, doesn't know it's your birthday? <laughs> Holy shit! Was it were birthdays before 1980 just like this thing you had to like remember you were having when you yep. were 10? Like what the fuck? He pulls a tab, steps back, and some stop animation of the toll booth popping out comes out. Yeah. He's he's pretty ho-hum about it. And then um, he also gets a little galvanized car. It's got a rule book of the map. He uses... This is random shit happening. Mm-hmm. I, I, wonder, I don't know if any of this makes more sense in the book, but it is like a random occurrence of things. Yeah, they're yeah. like a random mini car. He's got a good destination, so I guess the castle in the air? Sure. Uh, well, yeah, so there's a map inside the car, and he unfolds the map, and then he's looking at the, the, all the different places he could, he could go, and really, of all the places, this place looks like a hellhole, because every location <laughs> on the map is just awful monsters, or sh- looks like a cat pissed on the map, and the only good, po- like, it's, you don't even get to see what it looks like, it's just almost like a big question mark that says castle in the air, and it's the only part of the map that doesn't look like a fucking horror show, so he's like, I guess I'll go there. Yep, so uh, he starts driving back and forth through the toll booth, showing, Which hey, look, cute... he's a yeah. cartoon, now he's human. It goes on for too long, though. Yeah, well, that's that's the 1960s. I mean, they, it's not like they didn't have editing in 1960s. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, this goes on for, like, five minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, he suddenly turns into a cartoon version of himself that has giant Chuck Jones eyelashes. And So, uh, I, know, yeah. I, I know I'm asking a question that... 
you're not gonna have for me. But um, Uh-oh. no, no, it's fine. Uh, what does he lose his penis when he turns into? A no, cartoon? what? <laughs> just because you won't be able to remember. Why did yeah. Dylan give you the book? That's a good question. <laughs> Because it's not like I've ever, like, I don't even know what the fan of Tollbooth was. Yeah. I don't know if it's supposed to be instructional. I don't know if she's trying to teach me not to be slothful. Uh, if I ever get stuck in a quagmire of the doldrums and if, like, little, I, that's a good, yeah. It, it's funny because when, even when I mentioned it last week, part of me was like, why did I, like, in fact, I need to see if I've, I'm sure I, I've, I've, I'm sure I've never gotten rid of it, but I need to see if I've ever even bothered to really flip through it or what, but. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll have to ask her the next time I see her. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, well, what's up with that? Uh, so, uh, anyway. uh, he goes through, and, yeah. and 1960s 20 happens minutes later, all around he just him. Goes, yeah. Science says he's on the road to Dictionopolis, and watch out for Officer Short Shrift. Uh, who... I should have known right there that what the kind of movie this is going to be. <laughs> he rolls... It doesn't help that like a lot of some of the terminology and stuff are kind of words and phrases that have kind of fallen out of custom. It's a little bit more old time. Like even like short shrift is oh, kind of like. A oh, thing. there's like, one that we will talk about because yeah, it's embarrassing. Uh, I you know what I need you to Google what? it because hey, actually Bill, I'm not even quite so, sure exactly what it means. So you know what this is? Yeah. This was uh. Cool world for assholes. No 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 no. This is kind of like I feel like this is like um. All of the. Baby boomers now making movies hearkening back to their times and their humors. Yeah. I feel like this was the '60s generation of that. Yeah, <laughs> where they're like, like, where they're using old timey. I mean, this doesn't feel old timey, but they're using like wordplay and stuff that would have well, fit in better in, when they were kids. That's the thing. This movie feels like it's crying out for a return to a value system of values. That the movie seems to posit has gone the way of the dodo. Uh, which is, oh god, I'm using a phrase right there that, god, who fucking uses that phrase anymore? But, yeah, and I think that's one of the creepy things about this film, because, it, I mean, this is already kind of an old-fashioned film that's already crying out for a return to even more old-fashioned shit. And, like I said, it's it's not the basic values they're talking about aren't wrong or anything like that, because it is, like, sense and sanity and smartfulness and truthfulness aren't inherently bad things. They're good. We, we should. But, yeah, like I said, when it goes... Into very, uh, I'm kind of, uh, you know, we should be thankful they're not talking about any kind of anti-communist shit or something like that in this, in this movie. There could have been more very timely 1960s shit they could have been talking about in this movie that would have even dated it even more, but, yeah. Yeah, so, um, Officer Short Shrift shows up and calls him guilty a bunch. It's voiced by Mel Blanc. Uh, it How can you tell? Who knows? Tells Milo he's guilty of a lot of things. Does he want a long sentence or a short one? And then he gives him. Marlo, Milo says, "Well, short, I guess." And he says, "How about oh, I? Yeah. I am. It's the shortest sentence I know." Which is kind of cute. It's kind of cute. But that's, that's the basis of the humor for all this entire. Have, wait, not to totally disrail. Have you actually seen Cool World? Uh, yeah, I think I saw it. I uh, have to admit, it... this is. I saw. I paid to see Cool World in the theater. I should also point out this movie is better than Cool World because I was gonna my joke was gonna be <laughs> this the cool this is Cool World for Martin Prince of the world mm. and yeah that's not right. shut up yeah, let you not, talk yeah, let me talk 
I'll edit that out. <laughs> I'm sure. As the editor of the podcast, you think I should be this? I should come across as the smartest, most wonderful person on this podcast. But no. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you just edit yourself in saying smarter stuff later. <laughs> exactly. Completely recorded under a different good situation. Just yeah. With all these witty bond mods that you never respond to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the officer wants to know when Milo will go to prison. Milo says he can't, not till he gets back from the castle in the air. Saying that causes thunder and lightning to happen and makes the officer freak out and roll away. Um, so Milo hits up the lands of expectations, where he meets the weatherman. And Milo asks him if he's this is the road to Dictionopolis, and he says, All roads are the white roads to somewhere. Alright, sure, whatever. Great, yeah. <laughs> and Milo I think I mean that's basic human knowledge, but that's not as clever as you think it is. No. Milo, I do like the character design for that guy because he has little dot eyes, and I love any character with dot eyes, mm. and he's like a little chubby, like yeah, he's kinda like old dude in pajamas. Yeah, it's not really character design we've seen Chuck Jones do before. Yeah, it's but... it's a little almost actually kinda too cute for Chuck Jones, but yeah. So, uh, he also asked Milo if he thinks it's gonna rain, and Milo's like, I thought you were the weatherman. He says, no, I'm the weatherman. That's half this movie right there. It's it's it's, it's what you thought it was, but it's spelled differently, so it's a different meaning. Get it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He talks fast and says little. <laughs> so Milo decides he can There's find his own way to carry on. a lot of that in this movie on. where it's complaining about how people talk too much but don't say anything, yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what it is. I mean, that's a constant. I mean, it's not wrong, but it is like a constant. Like half the half the jokes in this movie, that's the punchline. Is like, yeah. I noticed they don't have a lot of mathematical punchlines because it's hard to like do math jokes in a movie like this and not have the audience be totally confused. So even in the world of math stuff, it's most still mostly wordplay. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm gonna let you talk. No, you're fine. Um. So Milo keeps driving. Starts to get a little sleepy. Driving with his feet and. And shit and on his steering wheel and it takes him the wrong way and he ends up in the doldrums where the lazy slime men they're the lethargians oh is that what they're actually called yeah and they say uh, something. his car starts to melt which is kind of cool and i do like the lethargians like they're painted uh on different like on transparent cells so they're kind of like yeah, kind of gooey transparent which i know that's not easy to do with actual, you have to use special paints or use mm. watered down paints to cr- kind of create that translucent effect. And for characters who have so much screen time in this movie, I'm kind of surprised they went that way because that's, yeah, that's a lot of extra work. Yeah. This is probably the part that I remembered most from a, a kid. It's if you'd mentioned the Phantom Toll Booth to me, it'd, that'd be this one. I just. In, in retrospect, I think the one or two times I've ever seen anything about the Phantom Toll Booth online, it's usually been like screen caps of these characters. I didn't realize that until I started seeing those. Like, I was like, mm. oh, okay, this looks dimly familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, um, there's not a lot of memorable stuff in this movie. <laughs> Even visually, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because this is the most interesting... I mean, it's pretty bad when this is the most interesting, most memorable thing that happens in the movie. And it's only five minutes long, and it happens ten minutes into the movie. And that's yeah. it, yeah. So, uh... They say laughing and thinking is prohibited. It's against the law in the doldrums, all this stuff. Milo's getting lazier and lazier, and they're gonna sing about the yeah. doldrums and how don't say there's nothing to do in the doldrums. It's just not true... Uh, as long as you could do anything as long as nothing, blah, blah, blah. Milo gets sleepy, uh, and they start to turn evil and slob, slobber towards him, and, but, oh shit, here comes the terrible watchdog, and all the lethargians run away. 
the the dog finds Milo and is like, what's going on? And Milo says he's just wasting time. And then that makes the clock inside the dog freak out and ring. Which yeah. doesn't really get used. You see it like two more times, which is... I th well, I'm and it becomes a part of his death later where his mainspring breaks, but like it's not really a thing that... Like it's not like a character defining. Well, also, it's it's in the the book. The watchdog. I'm I'm pretty sure the watch is on the outside of his body, so he's an actual watchdog. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if they thought that just look that would either look too weird or would be too hard to animate such a static, rigid piece of mechanical stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I could see Chuck Jones just saying, "Well, just we'll make it a dog, and we'll occasionally show that he's got a clock inside him." But that's it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the clock thing does not define the character or, or like, uh, it's not as, uh, as part of a, the dog's personality, like the cowardly line, the fact that he's cowardly, that's the whole point of the, the character. This dog being part dog, it's just, it's just serving the pun watchdog. Yeah. But like, it doesn't affect the character's personality, which is, again, that's why the kind of this movie comes, kind of comes across as kind of lazy because even the wordplay stuff that the characters are based on doesn't actually affect the characters it's just an excuse just to name the character something clever but it doesn't mean anything yeah but he anyway. yeah he tells milo um you gotta i know i know you don't have much practice but you gotta think that's a good oh, thing oh, 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 and fuck you. so he starts to think and imagines shit and they get out of the doldrums or whatever think of words that start with j yeah, that was that was kind of funny. Yeah, I, for no reason does like anything that randomly specific is always kind of interesting. But yeah, but uh, he's and then they fuck and then they fuck. <laughs> they fuck <laughs> their way out of the doldrums. <laughs> that's the other secret way to get out of there. It's just like even if you want don't want to get intellectually stimulated, it's just any kind of boner will just suddenly go. You <laughs> rock it out of there. Look like, get out of there, and. He says his name is Talk, and Milo says that's a strange name. And he says his full name is TikTok, but his friends call him Talk. And at the so in the book, uh, I'm not gonna do this a lot because it really, well, that's fine. really, uh, there's not. A I mean, ton if that's of your main touchstone for this of, too. Like, yeah. whole, whole portions of the book being taken out, but um, in the book, his name is Talk, and he goes tick tick tick. That's the sound his clock makes. And his parents thought he was gonna come out going talk talk talk. And his brother's, he has a brother whose name is Tick, but his brother's makes a talk, talk, talk sound. And there's a thing about that. <laughs> That's funny, they go into his whole genealogy, like, yeah, exactly, like the yeah. whole, cut, yeah. They can spend time on that instead of just saying, well, my name is TikTok, but my friends call me talk. Alright. I mean, imagine how much slower this movie is if, if, the, if the dog actually had to go through a five-minute spiel about about his name when you get, the, like, the gist of it, like, you're, yeah. Yeah. And now he's gonna sing about time as a precious gift. Alright. Sure. Uh, looking up songs and music for this podcast, I don't know what I'm going to use for the background music for this podcast, if anything. Because, like, I even YouTube, there's like three copies of any of the songs from this movie, and all the songs are so boring. Oh, you could like, find uh, just any generic 1960s no, horns farting oh, around. Oh, yeah, some fucking, that. who's the guy who did the music for Butch Cassidy? Fucking Burt Bacharach music. Yeah, yeah uh, I pretty much. That in the background. Because um, they, they said, yeah, hey, like, get us a Burt Bacharach sound alike. But none so of the they songs got Burt Bacharow. Are any of the <laughs> are any of the songs in this particularly memorable to you? No. I grew up with this. Oh, okay. no, I think the Doldrums is probably the most memorable. 
Okay. Yeah, outside know, outside of when the this. movie started up and I got a wave of flashback to this stupid What to become of my love? Is it gonna make it to the yeah. end of the movie? And I was like, ugh, that's so 60s. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, they move on. And the place, this place used to be called the Kingdom of Wisdom. But that old king, he dead. And his sons uh, split the lands up into uh, uh, Dictionopolis, which is the words, and uh, what the fuck's the whatever the name of the number one is, Numberopolis. Oh god, it's like numberologist. Digitopolis. Digitopolis, yeah. And uh, there's also the evil place that you gotta get through to get to the castle in the air, or whatever. And along the way, they're driving. They run into cacophonous a discord, the doctor of dissidents. He loves noises. He's gonna sing about it. What a lazy character design he is. And that's just it. There's like he doesn't contribute anything to the quest, does he? Kind of, sort of. Oh no, he gives them like. Isn't later the dog's like, I stole this bottle of laughing juice? Yes, so... That's it, yeah. So he sings about noise, he loves noises, but mostly unpleasant noises. Uh, he offers Milo a drink that will get rid of the good sounds. Milo doesn't want it. There's no big... He give it to Awful Din, and Milo says, what is that? And he says, hey, when you're being too loud, what do your parents say? Knock off that Awful Din! And what about when they're doing construction down the side? What do you call it? Dog, why that awful? Nobody in the history has ever called something. Not since like 1933. <laughs> yeah. Hey, knock off that awful din. No. I've never. Nope. Nope. You know, the terrible nope. thing is when they started making this joke and they, they go this. This is like a five minute long thing about the awful din. For a moment, I thought I was like, are they making a play off of like the gin? Like the genie, like demon thing, D G D J J I N N, like because no, I know din is also means also just like a big cacophonous noise. Yeah. But like they keep on leaning on this so much, I was like, is this supposed to be act, a pun too that I'm missing? They but act no, like everybody just, says din. Nobody that's says the thing, and I'm like, is there a joke here I'm missing? But no, it's just. And this is how you kill five minutes of time. Is just this whole thing. And then know? they show the awful din, and he's just a. Somebody he's took a, a paint. He's a marker doodle. He, somebody took a paintbrush, stuck it in some purple paint, and just made a couple circles. <laughs> Chuck <laughs> Jones, what are you doing? It is interesting to see Chuck Jones kind of experiment with a couple animation styles. Like, there's some monsters later and towards the end of the movie that are all just kind of rough, sketchy, which you never get to see Chuck Jones do. But like, yeah, this is. I I think this is partially like this is Chuck Jones taking some of the experimental animation from the 50s incorporating into this and it's just an excuse just for like it's almost like Sesame Street like short animation from something but it's not nearly as entertaining or as uh, yeah, it's, it's, no. it's, it's, it's yeah it's no. not that good no it's 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 really not and Milo uh uh the, the, the awful dance is gonna sing about noise. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. All, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is that now? All of these. I, just, I can hear your brain, your brain gears cranking, trying to <laughs> figure out where you were at. Like, okay, what the? What are we talking about? Like, yeah, trying to find your spot and back. They in the sing notes. about like, what the noise. Hell is going on? Noise some more. Whatever. And and talk is like fuck these assholes. I'm gonna steal this bottle of laughter, and he does because Do he's a klepto. I get. To see this do we see him actually steal the bottle? Yeah, you see his little paw reach up and just grab it oh, and okay. take it. 
And I'm scanning through the movie while we're watching it, but I skipped over that little uh, bit. Well, how could you skip over it? It's so good. And, uh, I just got to the part where they're picking A's off the trees. Yeah, at Dictionopolis, people are picking juicy letters, and Miles like, I didn't know those growing trees. Got to grow on trees, and uh, what'd you think growing trees? Money? Burp, burp, boo-doo. Um, I did like the thing where the first image you do see is a guy picking a juicy red A off a tree, and I was like, that's clever if all the letters are like, what if there's like, like so the A's are kind of like apples, they're hanging from an apple tree. It'd be kind of funny if you see someone collecting yellow bees mm. off of what's a banana tree or something like that, but like, the, the 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 letters represent like the fruit and the trees like that style like like you would but no it just turns out they're all just like that there's no clever you could this whole sequence could have been more clever if they wanted to but nope it's just random just letters hanging from trees yeah and um god fucking <laughs> yes uh, there's actually some clever stuff like like I guess because they're going into Dictionopolis and everything's supposed to be made of words, like the entire environment is essentially essentially made out of cut out dictionary pages and stuff. Yeah, I, some interesting... I feel like they could have done something more creative or better with that though, because it just kind of looks like they just and cut gets, out dictionary pages. And it gets really repetitive real quick, and you get the gist of it. There's no mixing it up or like this isn't an idea that grows or evolves. It's just you get the gist in the first ten seconds of seeing what they're doing. But this could this like like twenty minutes of the movie coming up here. Yeah. It's like in Dictionopolis, and they re repeat the same thing, but with numbers. And the next scene after that, and it's just like, okay, we get it. It's 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 like one thing where like this was a clever idea when they were making the movie, but like as an audience member, especially in 2019, where you, your attention span is even less, you get you ingest and understand the joke so much quickly, and you get so much more bored of it. I'm presumably faster than audiences in 1970. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah, up. no, you're fine. I I I, I agree. I've, I. But I, I you feel, know what, you know kid, what? Okay, you know what? As a kid, this would be more interesting, though. Uh, yeah. I, also, you know, if if I, I I looked, I saw briefly that they're remaking this, I guess, or I, well, I just like everything else in the world. But yeah, but you know who I would trust to do a good version of this? Oh no. Um, the guy, uh, Lord and Miller. They, I feel like they could do a real good oh, Phantom Tollbooth. They would redo half of like it would be because they would just go off on so many weird tangents. That, and they like, do it I good. Could see, yeah, but they would do it well. Yeah, and oh because it's speaking of people with short attention spans, like <laughs> they would like they would like they would burn through all the jokes, early jokes in the book, and. I can see them shooting off into whole entirely different tangents about this shit, but like, but yeah, all the clever wordplay, but with visual stuff and yeah, yeah. this movie really only kind of scratches the surface of what you could do with this kind of stuff. But yeah, oh man, that would be amazing. But yeah. Anyway, but anyway, um, so they go to a market. People are selling words and shit. Milo maybe wants to buy upholstery flabbergasted quagmire, and the vendor's like, "What are you gonna use those all in the same sentence? What are you fucking yeah?" Milo's like, fuck yeah, baby. And, but that fool knows he's just posing, so he gives him happies and goods. He's Which like, I thought you, was kind of like, fuck you too, You good happy and good. He's full babies. There you go. What, what, am I, what kind of mongoloid do I look like here? <laughs> Jesus so... Christ, give me something. I can see maybe like I was getting a little, uh, my reach has exceeded my grasp a little bit with my first couple picks, but like happy and good, I can do a little bit better than that. Come on, give me a little bit of credit. That's nah, what you do. You get happy yeah. and good. Fucking oh, idiot. God, yeah. So, uh, they see a booth selling letters, make your own words, and Miles are like, that sounds hard. 
And then the spelling bee comes in, and he's it's some guy doing his best uh, caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland impression. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was for is a he... bit, but I looked it up and no. He's a flying bee. Correct. Is it supposed to be a bee? Because I know the whole point is he's a bee that's spelling the whole time. Yeah. I couldn't remember if there's like, yeah, okay, yeah. If there was any kind of twist of the character that I missed. I think there's a little bit in the book, but I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then he spells some shit for a while. So he sucks. And then... <laughs> So, and then the humbug comes out of nowhere. Is like, bullshit, you can't spell anything. I'm the humbug. What's my character? Who knows? I'm a bug. I got a coat. Yeah. I my... don't even hum, so no. why am I even here? Well, I'm just here just to be another character, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just filling up. He's the packing peanuts of, of characters. He's just here to fill up space. They... The, him and the bee argue for a bit until they get a physical arts location and then they trip on a rope and I guess that was holding up everything <laughs> and oh, it destroys you the know whole what? market. I think this is one of the parts where I was checking Twitter and I don't even remember any of the, this, this whole segment happened. That's fine. And then Officer yeah. Short Shrift shows up, blames the whole thing on Milo, and he sentences Milo to six million years in prison. Milo says oh, only yeah. a judge can do that and he says, good point. And he changes into a judge. Oh. And now let's go to jail. And he says, only a jailer could do that. He changes it to a jailer. Okay, whatever. The one, this is like the most Bugs Bunny thing that happens in this whole movie, is that, yeah. yeah. So off they go to jail, where they, the evil witch is being held or something. And they run into her. And it is a witch. It's June Foray. How many... I want a witch count on June Foray. Like, how That's... many how many witches has... Poor June Foray played in her life. Because June Foray, she did uh, Rocky the Squirrel, right? But, like, everything else she ever did was, like, a witch. Because yeah. she was Witch Hazel. Yep. We've talked about in this past. She was Witch Hazel. Mm -hmm. which, but that's not the same. Was she the witch in the uh, Hansel und Gretel? Mm-hmm. Hansel? But was that that wasn't necessarily Witch Hazel, but that was, like, another witch. But Yeah, yeah, yeah it's weird. Good. <laughs> we still need to do whole episodes that just us talking about Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Yeah. Just not even that. Ha that will have to be like a holiday special, not even for Christmas, but like we'll have to create a Hansel <laughs> and Gretel holiday, and then just have the podcast well, to go see. along with it. Let's see. Hansel uh... and Gretel. <laughs> just the picture of Hansel with all the chocolate on maybe, his mouth. Maybe we can have a special Halloween episode because that's a Thursday, so it'd be the day after uh, regular episode. Yeah, actually, that would be a bad idea. Well, <laughs> you know what? I just realized dude, we're uh, this is the last podcast of August, so we actually do need to start thinking about Halloween soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Hansel <laughs> and Gretel. They're just... Oh, my God. So that, that thing just brings so much joy into my life just thinking oh, about absolutely. it. Yeah. This is an ABC color presentation. Follow Butch Patrick on a fantastic trip through the Phantom Toll Booth, where nothing is real but your imagination. To Dictionopolis, where words are weird. Words in a word are fantastic. You can hint them, you can say them, you can print them, you can pray them, emphasize them, and despise them. Digitopolis, where figures are freaky. Numbers can be added to, subtracted from, divided into, multiplied by, crossed out, and erased. Climb the mountains of ignorance, where dreams become nightmares. We have nothing to worry about. And the monsters are magnificent. It's the gelatinous giant. Pass through the phantom toll booth and into the magic world of your mind. 
Rated G. Uh, she's not an evil witch. She's a witch. W H I C H. Yeah, and she's the, the sister the of Weather the Weatherman. Is her brother? Do you think in the first draft of this that it was supposed to be the werewolf? Yes, I do. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the werewolf. So oh. she offers him some cookie. They're question marks and shit. I don't know. Uh, yeah. She used to help people make choices in the kingdom, but then the princesses of rhyme and reason got banished after uh, the king died. This is the first time you finally really find out the details of what yeah. happened. Yeah, rhyme and reason after are the, the princesses. Yeah. The king yeah. died. His sons fought about whether words or numbers were more important, so they asked the princesses of rhyme and reason, and they said, "Hey, they're equally important." Kings hated the fuck out of that, so they got banished. The princesses into the castle in the air, and Milo says, "Hey, that's where we're going." In six million years, but then the five guys who are at the gate who say the same thing but different every time come in. I think I forgot to mention them and say, "Hey, yo, it's dinner time." So they the take them to dinner. The movie kind of glosses over them too. It's not like yeah. Yeah, and they meet King Aziz, uh, voiced by uh, one of my favorite voice actors. Even though I pretty much only know him from two things, is really? Cap yeah. Captain Hook. Oh, that's the same guy. Yeah. Was I'm so, I, I mean this is only 1970. Oh, well, I guess this was made in the late 60s. But I'm part of me is kind of surprised that guy was still alive, just because he died in 82. Oh really? Because yeah. I just pictured Hans him being Conrad. old enough. Conrad. Uh, Hans Conrad. Oh Hans Conrad. Conrad. He was also. Uh... Oh Thor yeah, he was. He, he was, was in George uh, the Burns and Allen uh, show. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, li yeah. He okay, was yeah. Thor and Oak and Shield in the 1977 Hobbit. I was about to say, he's done all kinds of crazy shit. Because I, I, I definitely I remember the name when I saw his name pop up. He was just also just a character actor, too. Man, yeah. that was just something I just saw. It was like on Twitter recently where someone was talking about they had taken the animation from another Hans Conrad thing and, like, had, like, dropped that audio into the Captain Hook scenes and, like, totally made it just seem extra bonkers or something like that. But, okay, yeah, I can totally see why you're a fan of this guy, even though you only knew two things. Yeah, He's got yeah. a very distinctive voice, and I love his line readings he has comically. That, it's, I don't know if you call it a he's baritone, not, he's, but he's got like a barrel chestiness to his voice, like, He's not given anything to chew on in this movie, but I still yeah. enjoy his but voice. It's, well, that's the hallmark him, of great uh, voice him, actors, when, even when they're not given great material, they're still memorable and just their performance is great. Him and Brother Theodore. Who's Brother Theodore? Brother Theodore is the guy that did Golem in the 1977 Hobbit. He was also oh. one of the villains in the Burbs. He was a... <laughs> what the hell of a checklist there? He was on David Letterman a lot uh. back when Letterman had the Late Late Show or whatever it was Oh, called. I'm sure. I, I must have seen that guy. I didn't realize. Uh, well, I mean, he I've was never a really very grumpy German. Uh, oh, God. I just realized we need to put... The Hobbit and or uh, the old Lord of the Rings stuff on this list. Oh, yeah, it's on my list. Um, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, look up Brother Theodore. That dude's weird as fuck. Uh, but anyhow, uh, Captain Hook says... But you really like that guy's stuff? I'm sorry. I, I was wait, just literally writing a note to uh, Rankin Bass. Brother Theodore? Yeah. I don't like yeah, his so stuff. I like his character voice. Actors too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He okay. didn't do a ton of voice acting, but I, I enjoyed his golem. His golem was very good. Okay, I'm um, sorry. Go ahead. But anyhow, uh, Miles says uh, they're headed to the castle of the sky, or whatever, or he's got he. 
Ugh, I'm reading the wrong <laughs> parts of my notes. podcast. No, yeah. it's fine. Uh, he, Milo brings up the pact. He's going to be in prison for six million years, and the king says, Ugh, numbers, get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, he says numbers are illegal, because you couldn't have one fine day without the day, huh? And, and T well, for two without the, the T, and blah, blah, blah. And he sings and up. He also does, the th- you can't have the three blind mice without the blind mice, and yeah. which is funny, because then his brother later is, you can't have the three blind mice without the three, yeah. which is kind of a cute way of connecting them two, but they're both even arguing over parts of, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, and he sings a boring song that's completely forgettable. Oh God, I'm watching it now, and I'm not even, yeah. And after he's done, he says, it's time for speeches. And Milo says, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say a few words. And the oh, king interrupts God, they him. they make the gag of, we, we may have skipped up. And they say Milo apples. has to eat his own words. Yeah, they, they, everybody else gets speeches or apples and pie. I throw something at the TV, and, and he I'm did, like, fuck you, he movie. Did, no, he's fuck to you. words. <laughs> So, fuck you! I was like, I had a Justin McElroy caliber fuck you movie <laughs> kind of reaction to that. Like, that's just that's too lazy. Come mm. on, you son of a bitch movie. So, but okay, so here I'm gonna ask you a question. I don't know if y'all have the answer for it. Once again, yeah. but uh, if this scene was in a book where there had been more stuff like this, and I mean, it's you're kind of expecting stuff like it. But if it's just kind of thrown in with other stuff of the same kind of ilk, yeah. w- is that better or worse? That's the thing. I, I well, I think it's it's it depends on the quality of how it's presented mm-hmm. and how well how well executed it is and how yeah. I that's a good point. I really just just does depend on the quality of the writing and and how much they're inundating you with that those those kinds of jokes. Yeah. Uh, because like if you had a buffer around that kind of. Of, of you gotta eat your own words, of course. If you had a buffer of other stuff that's the like it, like, is that better or worse? That's the reason why I'm screaming "fuck you" at the TV with eat your own words, because simultaneously that's predictable as hell, and also that is kind of clever, because like the words on his plate are actually the words that he just spoke, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like, but it's yeah, I just yeah, I don't know, it's <laughs> it's beyond me, it's mm. beyond my reckoning. Yeah. So the I king king's like, oh, I got a tummy ache, and Milo says maybe that's because you ate. <laughs> too much too fast and the kid wordplay starts happening about yeah because it certainly oh, here we go. didn't eat yeah. too much too slowly or whatever the fuck else he says Event- it's like talking to your old grandpa who thinks he's too cl- so clever because he reads like uh, reader's digest or something like that, you know? <laughs> eventually rhyme and reason are brought up and milo says hey maybe they should come back and after some heading and high the king agrees but Milo will have to convince his shit brother about how to allow I it. I am surprised it only takes him, like, literally, like, 30 seconds to convince the king. Yeah. Milo needs another member on his journey for reasons. And so the king asks for volunteers. Spelling bee stabs the hung bug in the asshole, which makes him stand up. Now he he's in the group, sure. Yeah, and not that Humbug ever really contributes anything to the rest of the movie, right? He's just there just to be there. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, That's one of the things, at least the Wizard of Oz. That's one of the things, actually, now that I think about it, it's interesting that Wizard of Oz should be up there in the canon of characters stuck in an insane asylum story, like I mentioned at the start of the, uh, the podcast. But I think, at least especially from the MGM, the, the you know the movie version we all know, uh, I think the characters are strong enough to kind of override the fact that the mo- like just just like all these other mo- uh, stories, the Wizard of Oz is super episodic stu- uh, enough that like 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 you you never question why any of the characters join Dorothy's quest, it, but something like this where it is just completely random, 
Like you've got the king just asking for volunteers for other characters to randomly join the quest, and they have no reason to be on the quest. They have they, they contribute nothing to the quest. Yeah, I think that's the kind of basic, just character building story stuff that saves the Wizard of Oz, whereas things like this or Alice in Wonderland or like other stories like this are just that why it just feels like episodic, just random shit happening for two hours. You know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh. This is the point where I was like, fuck, I hate these backgrounds. All the, all the lines are white, and it's all that off-skew 60s look. And Yeah, that's kind of mm -hmm. an uh, after-effect of the UPA look, where like you, everything's just kind of like like stencily, kind of abstract, ch chunky, yeah. Yeah, so um, anyway, they leave, uh, and the king, before they leave, he, the king gives them a bag of every word ever, sure, and they move on their way. Group drive up to a ton of rock nice rocks and numbers. They can't get through, and they meet the dodecahedron, who's pretty much just Mel Blanc doing Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird because the face of the dodecahedron kind of looks like uh, the face of Raggedy and, and and Andy from the Ra Richard Williams mm, cartoons mm -hmm. or that stuff too, which I thought was a little weird. Because yeah. it's funny as we're talking about this, Richard Williams just died. Mm. It, as long as we're talking about famous uh, cartoonists and animators and stuff. Anyway, shut up. So the only way to get to number Dictionopolis is go through the number mine, and Milo does some uh... math, and the path opens, and. Milo mentions how he didn't think numbers are very important, and now we get to listen to the math of magicians sing about how important numbers are via the same song as the brother song, only instead is, of that, yeah. it's numbers. He's also Captain Hook. This entire segment is just what we just saw, just done again with numbers. Mm -hmm. Which is, that's kind of like, oh, God. Mm -hmm. Kill me. Hey, did nobody tell this fool about word problems? The, things, yeah. the thing no one likes? Yeah. Maybe the and... maybe both brothers could agree on that. Word problems are bullshit. <laughs> we could uh, we could we should really up our whole presentation thing. Also, this this king, he's skinny, whereas the previous the word one was kind of fat a little bit, and mm -hmm. that's the other just a little bit thing. And oh. eventually, the idea of rescuing Rhymers and get brought up. He would love to bring him back too, but since his brother agreed to let them come back, he can't agree. For they never agree on anything. And Miles like, hey, if I can prove you agree, can you let them be Rexus? And he's like, yeah, fuck it, sure, whatever. And then Milo proves that they agree to disagree. What yeah. it, okay, well, he, but he uses a lot of words to do it. That's kind of the weird thing is that, like, there are some, like, mathematical, like, little, like, little, not, but the jokes aren't even really mathematical. It's wordplay about numbers. Mm. Again, it's one of those things where, like, wordplay you can use, but, like, you can't entertain an audience with, like, Oh, here's a formula joke. Or, yeah. like, here's, like, you know, f I guess Fibonacci sequence gets brought up, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. So, so Milo unfortunately, if you're a numbers nerd, you kind of get the short shrift in this in this movie. Yeah. But, Which is uh, fine, because I fucking hate numbers. Oh, yeah. Although, I'm smarter than Milo, because at least even though I hate numbers and I hate math, at least I understand that math is kind of the basis of all science. Mm. And, like, math is, math is probably more... Oh, especially since math transcends language. They always talk about how if we're ever going to communicate with aliens, it's going to be through math rather than vocal words, because words is all contextual and culturally contextual. Whereas, like, math is just one plus one equals two no matter what planet you're on, no matter what you call one or what you call plus or what you call two. But, yeah. anyway, fuck you, Milo. <laughs> <laughs> so If you're not even smart as Bill Margin, you know you're fucking up. So the... Mathemagician gives them a pencil, let them make any number with a mathematical equation, and they get yeah. going again. 
Yeah, long... yeah, Milo doesn't realize it yet, but now because he's gotten those two, uh, he's gotten the the bag of all the word ideas in the world that will have has ever been or ever will be from the word king, and now he's got all the numbers and mathematical formulas that ever wherever will be from math king. He does have the contained knowledge of all human existence. Pretty much, yeah. In a bag, <laughs> yeah. And this becomes a plot device later. But I thought that's actually one of the clever things I thought about this mm. story. But anyway. So uh, along the way, they see Chroma the Great. He's the guy that conducts the sunrises and sunsets and all oh, that. Oh, God. And this goes on for hey, just because we just need to pad out this movie for an extra 10 minutes. It's also a great way for Chuck Jones to get some old Bugs Bunny animation in when he was conducting. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, he, oh, he, he, he literally with all does. all jokes. He does yeah. the arm lifting up and the eyeball is a glancing side to side thing that Bugs Bunny does exactly. Exactly, yeah. Was I I'm one I'm wondering if Chuck Jones was like, people are gonna want my greatest hits. And it's I I wonder, is it a thing of like is it he's he's like, okay, I did this joke before, so he's just like he's just, he is just like like, okay, people will expect this. People will think it's weird if I don't do this. Or if he, is he just being lazy? And he's just like, hopefully people didn't see that cartoon from 20 years ago. I just recycled <laughs> yeah. that same animation, but yeah. Uh, who knows? So he conducts a sunset. Milo's like, that was great. Real, real awesome. And Chroma's like, shit, yeah, baby. Now wake me up at 5 a.m. or whatever for sunrise. <laughs> I still like that. That is the extent of the scene. Great, bitch. Wake me up later. <laughs> the end. I'm going to bed. Eat my ass. Mm-hmm. So he goes to bed, and they're like, the talk is like, come on, we gotta get going. And Mal's like, I gotta wake that old asshole up, apparently. And the yeah. humbug's like, oh, just do it yourself, and we can get the fuck out of here. And Mal's like, hey, that's a good idea. And then he conducts, and he fucks everything up all over, well, and runs away like a fair, big coward. It's like 9.30pm, so he suddenly decides that he needs to make the sun come back up, mm -hmm. even though the sunset just happened. And yeah, no, he totally, yeah, he, he grabs the baton. And the 1960s the, the happens everywhere. Oh, God, there's all this airbrushed bullshit, and it's just more excuse just for, like, fucking paisley weird shit, and it's just... I, and it, it has nothing to do with... The, it has nothing to do with story or character or even the quest that Milo's on. It's just an excuse for visual noise for ten minutes. Yeah. And that's one of the primary reasons why stories like this are boring as shit. Anyway. I think it could have been done well. No, if it had been integrated into the story and, like, maybe if there was something that Chroma or even the knowledge that fucking Milo uh, gets from the scene, if it ever actually tied into anything else in this film, other than just so Milo can just yell at his friend on the phone at the end of the movie like don't you know that someone has to conduct the skies <laughs> if this <sighs> scene had done anything to contribute to the rest of the story it uh -oh. could have been done so but it's just this there just to be just because chuck jones just wanted to jerk off on the sky for a while pooty tank oh no you're fine my computer just uh, decided to fart for a moment okay. as long as you're sure you're still recording it's still recording. Even so, then, um, if not, who cares? We're talking about the Phantom Toby. <laughs> We're going to get two <laughs> listens on this episode. I love you all, our audience. So, anyhow. Uh, well, maybe people will enjoy it since you're so mad. Uh, oh, that's the thing. I like, but I'm not even being entertainingly mad. I'm not being all angry video game nerd. I need to take donkey shit off my ass about the Phantom Toby. Mm. Mm. So, uh... 
Nile fucks it all up, and they run away, uh, evil into the evil-looking lands. Whatever, I whatever they're called, the the, the something's. I'm watching this, and I totally like even. Yeah, yeah I I forgot something um, the dark lands or some shit like the uh, yeah, ignorance landville. Fucking. They run into the census taker who, <laughs> who needs all their information. Hey, he gay. Guess what? He takes their senses. Uh, He's not the oh, census yeah, taker. He's a census taker. This is when the drink comes up. Yeah. Yeah, he starts taking all their senses, and Taka, does he start, takes their sense of direction, so they start spinning in circles, and Taka's like, open this bottle. That is, yeah, that is that it? That, there's nothing, that scene doesn't Holy contribute climbing. anything else, it's just, okay. Random yeah. shit the movie. So, um... Uh, they run into the hills. They run into a dude with no face in a suit and a bowler hat. He has a mile to use some tweezers to move a mountain of sand from one place to another. And the, the humbug to dig through a hill with a needle and talk to empty a well with an eyedropter. And Milo says these tasks don't sound very important. And the faceless dude says, of course, if you always do the easy and useless jobs, you never have to worry about the important ones. That's an interesting he life lesson. Who he is. I didn't expect that in the middle yeah. of the film. Yeah, he's the terrible trivium, master of petty tasks and useless job jobs. And so they run to some Scooby Doo baseline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean it they may do. actually be the Scooby Doo baseline for the production values of this yeah. movie. Yeah. A voice tells them, "Run, run this way! Hurry this way!" And they do follow it. It leads them right into a pit. And the voice says he's the long-nosed, curly-haired, ride-mouth, bow-legged, bigfoot monster. And Milo says, if there's learned one thing, things aren't around, around here aren't well, who they say they are. So he climbs out, sees a furry little guy. Turns out he's a demon of insincerity. He doesn't mean what he says, and he runs away crying. But oh no, they get grabbed by the gelatinous giant, I, whose only purpose is to say I'm going to eat you for breakfast. And Milo says that he has a better idea, and he exists to say, oh, if there's one thing I can't swallow, it's ideas. Did you die? I'm just watching this movie. Oh. <laughs> what the? You know what? You know what? Certain parts of this are reminiscent of yeah. The, the Mark Twain portions in the Adventures of Huck, Tom Sawyer. Or the That's probably the last time I made the whole bit bitching about the whole Alice in Wonderland analogy about like yeah, the girl stuck in insane asylum kind of thing where it's yeah, just episodic stuff happening. Which again isn't the end of the world, but if you no. do it well, it can be entertaining. If not, it just it just exposes itself for what it is. It's just a bunch of episodic random shit happening. And yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, this is far from the first time we've ever talked about something that's just a bunch of random shit happening to a bunch of kids. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm Milo sorry. Says, I yes. was just totally just. I was actually. I was uh, looking at the animation of the. I'm just not giant. used to you not interrupting me. <laughs> no, exactly. You have to like pace yourself <laughs> to like get in and get out while you can. Uh, no, I was just looking at the anime because like the, the 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 skin texture for the gelatinous giant is weird enough that it's kind of modeled, and I couldn't tell if they were trying to do another transparency effect like they did with the little. The Lethargians, uh, but mm. I—it's either a failed transparency effect or they just just painted them weird. But anyway, but yeah, more monster stuff—they're being chased around and stuff, right? Yeah, Milo says he has a bag full of ideas, and they all melt. He melts, and behind him is the path to the castle in the sky. Yeah. And um, oh no, they run, and as they do, they run into the monsters of ignorance. And the monsters and of ignorance are all like sketchy. They're some of the fucking laziest designs. I they might even be the rough pencil sketches That's they came up with for them. This is another thing that people like uh 
actually kind of defines a lot of animation, especially actually Disney animation around this time was uh, in the mid 50s into the 60s, uh, Xerox technology became a big thing, and uh, Disney uh, actually started. Uh, they they stopped uh, hand inking their cells and instead would uh, use Xerox machines just to take the rough animation and Xerox the rough animation directly uh, onto the transparent cells. And they would still hand paint the cells, but that's why uh, the animation in movies like um, 101 Dalmatians, where the pencil line work looks a lot rougher, because that is just liter literally just the Xeroxed rough animation onto a cell. Uh, they didn't hire the. They didn't have a bunch of painters actually repainting uh, the, the line art onto cells, and so. And I kind of wonder if they use that kind of thing with the, with the, these monsters because they're all like definitely like rough pencil animation stuff. But yeah, yeah. And they kind of look cool just because they look so un uh, un like anything else in the movie un uh, Chuck Jonesy. But like you can totally yeah. tell it's a bunch of interns just kind of like they just said hey just draw whatever as long as it's kind of monstrous and weird and yeah. Everything's yeah, kind of blobby but don't worry. Milo uses his big bag of words and math pencil to attack the monsters and get rid oh, of God, them. Oh, God, this is, yeah, this is the part of the movie that gets all sanctimonious. Where it's like, I'm going to use my thinks to kill the monsters. <laughs> yeah. And then all the monsters combined into one big pencil sketch, which chases them. Talk bites his foot, which it hates. And Talk gets knocked to the ground. Milo throws the pencil, to, to, turns to a rocket into the monster's hand, and I guess that kills it. Yeah. Tog isn't ticking. His mainspring's broken, I guess. Oh, we're not gonna Milo... talk about how a monster, a know-it-all, gets killed by the word humility? I am not. Or, like, <laughs> this is, like, it's five minutes of just this kind of, like, fucking moral grandizing, just, like, weird shit going on. But yeah, mm. this is actually part of the movie that I think this is the most... It's kind of like the highlight of the film and also the low light where it's the high, like everything that like uh, fucking Milo is collected up at this point that he's using to fight in the scene. But it's also the movie at, the, at his most sanctimonious. I think I can't remember if this is the part where they actually he he kills a monster with the word industry. But he does. yeah, he, he does. Yeah, that is <laughs> what monster was that? Was it socialism that he killed? No, with it, it was the uh, terrible trivium. Okay, yeah, and like, <laughs> just a, some weird ideas, but yeah, but the climax, yeah, the movie, the, the battle does climax with the, yeah, the main spring and TikTok getting busted. Does he get sat on? How does he get fucked up? The He bites the monster's foot. Oh, you just said that, I'm sorry, I just, off. oh, because, yeah, there's a monster that it gets killed with curiosity, determination, and courage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, and then it turns into truth! Oh, that's the monster, and he's yeah. gonna kill TikTok. Uh, once yeah, TikTok this, is knocked down, okay, I see, yeah. This is like, uh, the, Oh um, my god, that's a weird way to dream. This is, this is like the sniffs of what <laughs> 70s animation is gonna become with, like, the, uh, uh, Yellow Submarine and where just weird shit, just like, weird people shit, fighting yeah. with words and whatnot happen. Yeah, th I think that's kind of the hippie shit kind of leaking into animation industry where suddenly... Like, the ideas literally become the ideas on screen in animation, where people realize, like, oh, you could literally take words and put them on the screen, and people could yeah. sword fight with truth and love, but the words will be, uh, their swords will be made of the words truth and love. And, which I can appreciate how that must, must have been a huge novel thing in, like, 1969, but, like, looking at it now, 50 years later, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> you're just like, what the fuck is that? what is this? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
So, uh, Milo's like, hey, Humbug, you suck. Stay here and watch him. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. You watch haven't done anything. Corpse. The one thing you can do is sit here and do nothing like you've done for the rest of the story. So, he runs up to the castle in the air and meets the... It's for as lazy as the monsters were, these princesses are even lazier. Uh, they're just kind of like abstract, kind of like, yeah, cutouts. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, they just, it, the, the background is just kind of the shimmering hologram, kind of like... I, the, the terrible thing is I can see a lot of work was put into this, but it just kind of looks like a greeting card. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we sent for you. It's cool. And he's like, and Miles like, yeah, but I fucked everything up along the way. Now my dog's dead. And, oh, it all sucks. Can and the princes are like, can you fix that dog clock for me? <laughs> Don't worry about it, baby. We got you covered. And then here comes the weatherman to give Milo a balloon that says, how in here? Am I losing because, my mind, or do they suggest that- And then they float through the sky, fixing everything along yeah, the way. Yeah, that's- that's- this is the end of the movie. <laughs> do they- wait that- You still there? You can't hear me at all, can you? What was the What was the last thing you heard me say before my computer froze? <laughs> oh, I can still hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Oh, I can hear you now. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't. It's just I was singing the song last. This is deep it, enough for the podcast too. I'm I'm unlikely to remember to edit edit any of this out. So <laughs> anyone listening, yeah. anyone got this part of the podcast? And this is a secret. Actually, well, hopefully it's, it's rare that we actually have problems like this. But hopefully it syncs up. This is yeah. That's actually a better point. Actually, I don't know if it'll... so. Uh, hey, it's, hey, it's, you know what? It's just hey, make sure hey, this hey. syncs up. Both of us say hey at the at oh, three, two, one. Three, okay. two, one. Hey. Hey. K. Okay, okay, I know I did a little bit before you did. Uh, but, yeah, you missed a part where I was trying to interject about... Rhyme and Reason also... Do they suggest that they actually uh, implanted the idea of him coming to the castle in the air? Like, well, he, Milo was in the real world, too? No, I think they just sent the toll booth to him. Oh, is that all it is? Oh, did yeah. they actually say they sent the toll booth to him, too? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, I mean, that would kind of make sense, because otherwise, this whole thing seems extra random, because then you're like, what the fuck did the toll booth come from? Not that you need an explanation, but, like, I didn't remember that ever being addressed in the film, but... Yeah, anyway, so everyone's get everything's getting fixed up. Yeah, so... TikTok's uh, back alive. Shitty song sings. Um, everything's great, I guess. Yeah. And after seeing I... how everything worked out, uh, Milo comes oh, crack... fucking... Short Shrift is all like, oh, he's like, the innocent should be presumed to be innocent before guilty, which I thought was a nice topper to the end. He's just, he's back to being a nice cop. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a nice cop. We never saw him being a nice cop before. Anyway, but yeah, it's the end of the movie. Into the real world where the toll booth gets all boxed up and flies out his window into the sky. And he <laughs> runs to his phone where Ralph is still there being like, hey, where'd you go? Where you been for less? This one, Milo's a dick to, 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 to Ralph. It's like, motherfucker, I've been fixing this son. What the fuck you been doing? And, and Ralph is like, bitch, it's been five minutes. He's like, motherfucker, I've been gone for a weekend. He pulls out a gun, cocks it at the phone. And Ralph is like, what you doing? Why are you shooting the threat and shoot me over the phone? Don't you know how guns work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut so, up, Bill. No, you're fine. And, uh... He's just like, I conducted the sky and ate some words and, oh. It does sound like Milo's but, having a fucking stroke. 
Ralph isn't listening because a big box just showed up in his room. Oh boy. And then the dumb so say the dumb 60s singers come back and sing, and now Milo fucking loves to play outside. And the film freezes on his happy face as he rides some death trap from the 1960s in a, a, a playground, and it's the end. Alright. So, is this suggesting that the Phantom Tollbooth is like the sexually communicated disease and it follows? Yes. Where, like, whoever Milo talks to next, or whoever's, whoever's been the most recent victim of the Phantom Tollbooth, the next person they talk to gets, it gets passed along. Now they mm -hmm. have to spend 90 minutes being tortured by a fucking world that makes no sense. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I guess there's never been any sequels to this or anything, right? In terms of the book? No, like, I don't no, no... think so. Like, well, just, you know, if the book, does it end the same way with Ralph? Is there a Ralph, and does there's, he also there, get inflicted no. with the... There's no Ralph. <clears throat> oh, okay. Milo really wants to go back, but he finds, like, the, the toll booth has vanished and whatever. And Is it presented might... the same way? Is it, like, a red and white striped thing that just appears in his bedroom? I don't remember. I mean, I listened oh, okay. to it this week, but uh, I don't <laughs> yeah, it's remember. Yeah, it's what the shit. Life happens. Yeah, you can't remember everything. Uh, I think it just vanishes and appears. Oh, okay. I don't think it's Which that's fine. Too, like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't. I don't know if I'd say give the book a try I, if you were so, because I don't know if you would not like the book because you're just allergic to this kind of of humor and whatnot. Or yeah. I mean, I can see that the movie's not great. I, I I can freely admit that. But you know, I was thinking about it uh, while you were talking, or my computer was frozen, or something. <laughs> you know what? This is the movie equivalent of. Oh no! Yeah. What? No, Spaghettios. Because uh, 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 as an and adult, and that they're delicious and filled with either hot dog slices or meatballs if you make the right choice. So I didn't grow up on SpaghettiOs. Uh, I, mean, okay. I didn't eat them as a kid, but I had them for the first time as an adult, and they're fucking disgusting and should not be ingested by anyone. Just because it's people, human dog food. <laughs> but people who grew up on it is like mm, yeah. tastes like childhood, and that's what the fan of Tollbooth is. It 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 tastes like childhood. That's but why people who didn't experience, yeah. no, it's fine. I don't mind because I can tell that it's not great. Uh, but people who didn't grow up experiencing it are going to be like, "What is this garbage <laughs> that you put in my eye holes?" Yeah. Well, I kind of like that with like Mary Poppins. I mean, grant a lot of people grew up with Mary Poppins way more than they grew up with Phantom Toolbooth like this. But like, yeah, yeah where it's like, and I'm I not, can, I can, I, I, I can I appreciate that a little bit. I, I'm not a big fan of Mary Poppins. I, something about the fact that she was so smug and conceited mm -hmm. always rubbed me the wrong way. Either that or that's what turns you on, and that's why you're masturbating <laughs> when you're eight years old. And, and that's like, mm, why Mary John's Poppins. not going to watch it till he's fully <laughs> formed. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, how's that new Disneyland Lego set coming? Oh, I haven't opened it yet. Uh, that's very cool. Uh, no, oh, okay, I should not change the subject away from the Phantom Tollbooth. No, Although there's what not are, much what are we to gonna talk about. What are we going to talk like, about the Phantom Tollbooth more? Uh, no, but like I said, there's oh, so, not a lot okay, of trivia so, about the movie or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. It, there are some characters that weren't in the book. Like, Milo meets uh, some kids, or a kid, that uh, is floating in the air, and it's just like weird. A light? It's uh. weird ideas, like, he meets a kid who's, like, uh, floating in the air by about two feet, and it's because... Uh, his family, you're born floating in the air and you grow down until your feet reach the ground. And that's how tall you're going to be. So you're born as tall as you're going to get, but then you grow down. Okay. 
And is that's they, actually just something within the like book. That. That's not like an idiom that exists like during no. the Depression era that they're just like <laughs> making fun of, right? Okay. No, yeah. so that's not really wordplay. It's just an abstract it's idea just a thing that, that happens. Yeah, that he meets and talks to, and I then has the a t- character like that. The terrible thing I was about to ask if he's a real boy or or if he's animated like everything else, and I realized that makes no sense because like I'm thinking about the movie version, and I'm realizing the book version. There was just, like unless actually that'd be kind of great if you if you were to say no. Actually, in the in the book version, it is actually specifically mentioned that <laughs> Milo is still live action while everything else is animated. Yeah, uh, for for you specifically, Bill, I would say talk to Dylan. Say why the fuck did you give me this book? <laughs> What do you think messages I, here? Do you think I'd like the book more than I like the movie, which was not at all? And see if Why'd she you says try to it. Hurt me? Yeah. <laughs> if she says, "Yeah, I think you'd like it. Give it a try." And if you don't like it, whatever. But uh, I am more curious now because or listen because to the audio. Seen... Listen to the audio book. It's five hours. Someone leaving the giving you this book is like leaving a de- decapitated horse head in your bed. You're like, why did you do this? <laughs> What message are you trying to send to me? I'm uh, not quite sure what's going on. So uh, yeah, this is the Phantom Toll Booth. Um, doofa. It's it's SpaghettiOs. Uh, it's, yeah, no, like I said, it's, innoc- it's, it's relatively innocuous. That's why I wanted to make it, even though I was bored out of my mind. Yeah. Just because I understood the thing, what the, the, the wordplay and what the whole vibe of everything was at the beginning. I didn't hate it because nothing is like particularly awful. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah. I just Chuck yeah, Jones could have done better. It's predictable, though. Yeah, and it is kind of disappointing that, you know, with Chuck Jones involved, it's not funnier, and it's not better looking. Mel Blanc's uh, not given any good comedy to do. Yeah, Mel, yeah. And June Foray, she, at least she got a paycheck out of this, but... Yeah. Oh my god, but yeah, so I'm glad, to, well, especially because you've been talking about doing the Phantom Tollbooth forever, so I'm glad that we could we could finally tackle it, and I'm glad to see it. it's not like it turned into a shit fest or anything like that, it's not like... Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I was, but like, like I said at the beginning too, I'm also just glad that this is the kind of thing that I would have never seen if it hadn't been for the podcast. And especially the fact that you got to show me a little bit of something that you grew up with. You're kind of exposing yourself a little bit on the podcast, something that you genuinely love. But you know what? Fuck all that. None of this is important. We got to talk about the the most important targets of the party I had this week, which was Snoopy on Ice. How did you find Snoopy on Ice? Snoopy. You, you'll have to put a link to this in the show notes. Biddly boy, Snoopy on Ice. It's an hour special. <laughs> I found it. How did I find it? I, uh, there was uh, something I was watching on. Oh, so I was looking up. I was listening to the audiobook version of this. And mm-hmm. I, when I grew up, when I was a little kid, uh, we'd go to the Forest Grove uh, Library. And I would get books on tape of some of my favorite books uh and i got Benicula, uh which i really enjoyed that and i wanted to see if that version was on youtube so i searched for that and i found an animated Benicula from the 80s that was on and i sent that to you because the opening was fucking weird as shit and some guy with ventriloquist dummy being like we gotta listen to Benicula." you know the terrible thing is i grew up with that that the the abc weekend specials uh-huh. like that you you sent that to me as being like oh my god what the fuck is this and i had seen enough of these oh no kid, i sent this that, to, like, that that to you saying this looks like your type of shit <laughs> oh no but i grew up with this so none of this was weird to me yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a black guy with a ventriloquist dude ventriloquist 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 show me the blue Blueprints, show me the blueprints, show me all the blueprints. Uh, it's a black guy with a ventriloquist dummy. Uh, yeah, just introducing, uh, so, I don't know, is Bonicula good? 
I like the books. I don't okay. know about that There's anime books. version, but anyhow. I realized it was a series, but yeah. Yeah, um, but anyhow. Uh, How that weird w- it was that ABC television would just, like, animate an entire children's book for just for, like, an hour-long animated cartoon on Saturday morning. Well, they did weirder the shit, like, when I went to this, uh, this channel that had uploaded that. Oh, God. They, they had a bunch of shit from Chicago, and there was an hour-long special of Snoopy on Ice, which was... <laughs> mind-blowingly weird what it, it starts just normal you know and it, it introducing the ice skaters that are going to be skating and whatnot and they're like and here's charles schultz and he comes skating yeah. out in a sweater and then they go to a commercial break and all the commercials are in it so if you want some old ass 1970 commercials it's in there and but uh uh yeah it's from like 1980 it comes back from the commercials and snoopy the person in the costume is sitting on top of a cardboard doghouse Playing the Fiddler on the Roof theme. <laughs> He's got like a little Jewish Fiddler on the Roof hat on and everything. <laughs> and then you get oh like 15 God. seconds of that and then it goes to something else. And they, they have these weird segments where they're like, now we're going to sing. And then they start singing, but they only sing one line of the song. The audience yeah. claps and then they sing 15 seconds of another song and the audience claps. And then they ice skate to the theme from Star Wars. And it's just fucking madness and then charles schultz's daughter comes out and ice skates to gospel music yeah at some point he's walking on the beach with one of the ice skaters and talking about how she ice skates he hands her a stick she throws it in the ocean and that scene is is fucking bonkers oh my gosh yeah it's an hour long with commercials it's uh (laughs) This is the WFLD Channel 32, Snoopy's Musical on Ice, complete broadcast, uh, yeah, from July of 1980, uh, from the FuzzyMemories.tv channel, the Museum of Classic Chicago Television. It's oh. fucking... I've actually favorited a lot of the, the, this channel's videos before, because it is a goddamn goldmine of television from the 80s. Yeah. The entire channel is, is fantastic, but especially, like, yeah, because they're uh, from... Uh, a lot of this, not everything is from Chicago, despite what the channel's name is, but it's enough Midwestern stuff from me, me having grown up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania from the 80s. Like, there's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. some of the original commercials and stuff. I'm like, oh, shit, I remember that. But there was, yeah, there this was Snoopy a point thing where is bonkers. I was almost, there was a point where I was almost like, should I just shelf out all the toll booth and talk about this thing? <laughs> but nobody <laughs> else is, do it. it's yeah. got like a thousand views. Nobody else would give a shit. Yeah, I mean, unless and you're it just would just really be like nostalgia, like yeah. And, oh, there's there's some guy that comes out and they're like celebrating forty years of of doing ice comedy. Uh, ice comedy's a thing. I because there's a guy that like, he's a comedian on a floppy hat and he's like totally being like, I'm a vaudeville it's, comedian on it's, ice. It's <laughs> so Lawrence Welk. It should, and it everybody is, should totally watch it. It's it garbage. It smells like grandpa farts and mothballs. <laughs> like, it's that kind of thing. Like, oh, it's um, amazing. This is, you get the feeling this is old-timey shit, even from 1980. Yeah. Uh, kind of well, like what we were talking about, the Phantom Tollbooth, where, like, this shit, some of this shit must have felt old even 1969. This shit must have been fucking ancient 1980. Uh, although yeah. it is kind of funny to see a relatively younger Charles Schultz. I mean, this is 20 years before his death, like, you know, just coming out and being like, when I invented Snoopy, I always imagined him being an old Jewish man fiddling on top of his <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah, so, you got, yeah. like, someone dressed as... It always freaks me out because whenever there's a Woodstock who's the same size as Snoopy, because mm. uh, you got with, somebody with, with Woodstock. With leg, legs all in tights. 
Yeah, like sexy legs, and like you just want to fuck that Woodstock. And you're like, oh, I want to see what that Woodstock looks like bending over. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's oh, weird, man. too. They, they do cut the footage of Snoopy uh, ice dancing from one of the animated specials, too, so it's weird that's not even... Yeah, they were like, hey, we, 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 we used this guy as a reference doing a backflip. Now watch Snoopy this do the is... backflip. Wasn't that I... cool? I do not understand why there's a 15-year period from pretty much 1970 to, like, 1985 where everything had to be on ice. You had, like, Star Wars on ice. You had I remember as a kid going to see Sesame Street on ice. I saw Pinocchio I on ice. I don't know what the on ice part was supposed to bring to the production. If no anything, idea. it seems like it makes everything harder. Why not just have the Sesame Street characters on a stage just doing their shtick? Why do they have to be ice dancing? It's already bad enough being in a, in a giant, like, six-foot-tall cookie monster costume, but then have to do that and also be on ice skates? Yeah. Why are you trying to punish these people? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, don't bother with Phantom Toll Booth. Watch Snoopy on ice. <laughs> no! Phantom That's the takeaway. <laughs> fine just if, if, if you just need to rinse your mouth out after phantom tool booth just watch uh snoopy's musical on ice and mm-hmm. then you'd be more like what the fuck is wrong with people <laughs> yeah so it, uh speaking of what's wrong with people bill what are we doing next time that's a good question i forgot our schedule what should be what should i be doing next week well we could either go back to my original idea of every other that's week, what I'm saying. or this we could do it back to back whichever you prefer uh, that's, I, I, that's, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about what my next project would be. Uh, if, like, just looking at my list right now, uh, I've got Austin Powers, The Devil Wears Prada, oh no, Breakin', oh, no. the original breakdancing movie that oh. was the predecessor to Electric Boogaloo. Oh. Uh, you know, when everyone makes the joke, Electric 2, uh, Breakin' mm-hmm. 2, Electric Boogaloo, that's yeah. the original. Oh god, I'm, you know what the terrible thing is? I'm kind of torn between Breakin' or The Devil Wears Prada. Mm. Which, I know that's kind of a weird... Uh, what would you prefer? Uh, I guess Breakin', even though I know nothing about it. <laughs> Me that's the ter- This might be one of those things where I might have to download both movies and kind of watch. And then go... Because Break... It is a Canon Films movie, which means mm. it is terrible no matter what it is. And I have to see if it's good, terrible, or if it's going to be like, oh my god. Oh no, Daniel's gonna kill me if we do this. So yeah, may uh, so yeah. If uh, any audience members have preferences, let let us know. Because uh, usually we record this on the Sunday before the Wednesday. Any of these episodes go live, and usually we have to decide what we're recording. Usually the Thursday or the Friday after it goes live, because we we have to get ready for recording the next Sunday afterwards. So yeah, uh, if if you're listening to this a day or two after this episode goes live. Uh, let us know if you have a preference. No one's gonna listen this far into this episode. <laughs> I hope so. Within get 24 hours after it going live to tell us. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we, be... how about we watch Stoopy on Ice next week? Actually, <laughs> <laughs> not the worst idea. Although, th- 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 I don't know how much we can talk about it. Other no. Than just going, oh my no, god, what is, yeah. what is this part? What is that part? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like it's it's like if we had to do an hour long episode about the Challenger disaster. <laughs> it's like how much do we say just other than oh that part's terrible. Oh well, yeah. that's the part where they blow up there. That's bad too. Like yeah. Oh, just even the commercials for the internet. Oh Jesus, this whole thing's a, a snack cake of awfulness. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Anyway, actually, it wouldn't be. It would be kind of funny to do some kind of YouTube. Should we do an episode about the GI Joe uh uh shorts the. No. Knowing is half the battle. No. 
No. I'm trying no. to think of any... Because we've never talked about doing any kind of internet stuff. I mean, I did... You, you got did me Homestar. to do uh, Homestar, yeah. And that was actually turned out to be really good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... Should we do... Was it Homestuck? Homestock? Homestock? Well, Homestock? no, what's the thing with the... Homestuck? Homestuck Home, Home or Homestock? When are they Homestuck. It's the one with the... Like, I've always seen the porn with the ladies with the horns. And I know mm -hmm. it was popular for like a decade, but I never yeah, understood. Yeah, I know literally nothing about we it. We literally don't even know what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> I'm to think so of maybe any, not. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other internet or specifically YouTube-oriented things. Um, we could do a video. Uh, we could do an episode about the, the drunken little girl landlord trying to get mm. her spot her get trying to get her money from will ferrell um we'll figure out stuff uh, okay yeah. either okay devil wears prada or break it next week we'll figure out yeah. one of the two yeah okay oh, so um i got no either, word play you know to oh no or we could just give up and just we'll just do a dragon quest builders 2 wrap up episode if we're wrapped up by, if i'm wrapped up by then yeah, I was about to say, because, like, I think I'm getting towards the end of that. Man, again, talking about something that only three people in the universe would ever care about, and I doubt those three people will listen to our podcast, but... Try not to have your cows in the same area as your hot springs, because they can go in there and get cooked to death. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. What, did they just turn into cooked steaks? They just turn into fur and meat. <laughs> okay, so you told me about how... You... Well, this is... You, you told me about this last week. I didn't figure this out. Because I did discover that the way you milk cows in the game, there mm -hmm. was something about how you go up to the cow and hit the, the right trigger button, which is kind of the action button in the game. And I didn't understand you had to have the bottomless uh, jug equipped mm. in order to collect the milk from the cow. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't remember like what was going on. So sometimes like, your default thing... Uh, <laughs> you just hit him with a hammer? Uh, you're equipped with a hammer by default in the game, so <laughs> I killed a couple cows. Nice. Because I didn't realize what I was doing. <laughs> Just beat the cows to death. <laughs> so Good I job. literally had to go back into another island and collect more cows and bring them back. And I looked it up online. And well, then I think last week you told me you had to have the like the the the, the jug equipped. And so now I am making shitloads of cheese and pizzas mm. and stuff like that. I made my first cheeseburger. Anyway, that's neither here. That's neither here nor there. I got I'm, no. You know, I'm actually almost kind of serious about doing a Dragon Quest Builders. Yeah, thing. we'll see. Um, or yeah, you can give us a, a Lego update about your Lego. Um, oh, I don't uh, know Disney if I'm going to get to that anytime. I might anytime. actually I can, try try to wait and see afternoon. see if a lighting kit shows up for it online. <sighs> Did you ever get a lighting kit for the castle? No, not yet. Yeah, okay, I'll have to get you because your birthday's coming up. Who knows? Oh no! Oh, man, that anyway. that should look really sweet though, because like, yeah, that's the thing that's really got me thinking about Disney Castle now. Is that train set? That that, that sounds mm. like it could be a good combination of the two. Yeah, but together it's seven hundred dollars. But also that you'd have to like a dedicated corner of your entire living room for that too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyhow. Anywho, that you know, was the guy who spent eight hundred dollars on one Millennium Falcon. That's yeah, I know. Anyhow, that was a uh, whatever the fuck we watched. Fan of Toll Booth. Toll Booth, just and, like uh, the, the movie got... itself. We padded this the ending of this <laughs> out to make it to an I... hour and ninety minutes. I got no funny wordplay for for the end of this. Oh, movie. that's is that going to be the ironic thing? We have no jokes or wordy puns for the end of this podcast. It's true. Anyway, Industry, oh, compassion, truth, justice. Mudred on Twitter, Grumpy Turtle, Twitter, Tardy Podcast, Twitter, TardyPodcast.com. Whatever. Get us around, share us, or whatever. Thanks for mentioning us if you mention us. Anything, everything, whatever. Uh, yes. Salt then.
congratulations on making it through this. Um, because apparently my family was the only ones that ever saw this movie. Seriously, like I thought you made up this whole <laughs> this thing until it's, even people until who today. are fans of Chuck Jones don't know about it. Yeah, like I said, I only knew Ricky. T it's funny that I said Ricky Tiki Tavi last year. And you're like, what the fuck is Ricky Tiki Tavi? <laughs> then yep. I realized it does sound like I'm losing my mind when I just yell at people. Ricky Tiki Tavi. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway. we're never gonna do that. So uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> to be fair, Ricky Tiki Tavi at least has a story and characters, unlike this did. Yeah. So yeah. anyhow, uh, that's all. I got nothing else. That's um, it. We're done. We're wrapped. We're, up. we're just gonna go we're to the park and freeze frame. Just like we didn't even talk about any monster. It's true. Yeah, it's Butch Patrick. I could have got off on a whole spiel about how the monsters are better than those piece of shit fucking Adams Family motherfuckers. Those rich bourgeois mother... Mm, class In warfare is all I want. Well, it depends on if you're talking about the TV show or the movie version. Well, they're both rich. And that's what I like about the monsters, that they're working class. I think and we've had this exact monsters. conversation before. Yeah, I'm just saying, that's a thing. Mm. A fucking inherited money motherfucking... I mean, the Addams Family movies were good, but I also appreciate that they're part of the 1%, the monster 1%, they need to be taken down. Eat the rich, even if they're weird rich. Anyway, <laughs> shut up, Phil. That's neither here nor there. The Fatal Tube at the end. Uh, tell you the next time, keep filling your holes with pop culture. So long, everybody. Hey, everybody. I hope the Phantom don't show up in your house. Now you listen to this podcast, don't turn around because it's right, right there for you. Don't get stuck in the doldrums. <laughs> Is that listening to this podcast just the equivalent of being stuck in the doldrums? How? Oh no, Bill stuttering and stammering <laughs> other another half-baked idea he can't get out. I'm just melting in my car. So long from the doldrums. Goodbye, everybody. And then turning off this podcast is like the TikTok the dog show. <laughs> now you're back for us. Yeah. Bye.